It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is officially on his Christmas holidays. May he enjoy the break. So Bernie is sitting in taking your calls this morning at 1850-333-103. Texts and WhatsApps up and running if you want to text us to 0862 103 103. And of course today, Tuesday is the 21st of uh, December. Today is winter solstice and it is an astronomical phenomena which marks the shortest day and the longest night of the year. And in this, the Northern Hemisphere, it occurs when the sun shines directly over the Tropic of Capricorn. There's your astronomical lesson for you today. And in some ways it's a day that a number of people look forward to because they kind of feel once they get to the shortest day of the year there'll be a little bit of a stretch in the evening and before long we'll be saying that to each other and there a grand stretch in the evening. And people kind of look forward to getting the 21st of December behind them because they know spring is on the way and it's the end, it's kind of the beginning of the end of the long dark winter and a lot of people just don't like the winter months and like the idea that over the next number of weeks and months that the evenings will start to get brighter but today is normally the day when all roads will lead to Newgrange which is but obviously because of Covid that's not happening this year it's the it's the Stone Age Passage Tomb. It's older than the pyramids in Egypt and it's located in the Boyne Valley in County Meath and of course it features this 19 metre long passage 
that leads to a chamber with three alcoves. The passage and the chamber are then aligned with the rising sun on the morning around the winter solstice because just above the entrance there's an opening there that's called the roof box. Now it's through that roof box a beam of light shines through the roof box. It travels up the length of that 19 metre passage and then it goes into the chamber on this, the shortest day of the year. And as the sun rises higher, the beams widen and then the whole chamber, if they get the right weather conditions, the whole chamber then is illuminated for about 17 minutes on this day every year. Now normally what happens is there's some kind of a lottery system normally happens because obviously there's only a certain amount of people can fit into the chamber and the very lucky people are allowed to go but of course last year because of COVID they weren't able to do it. They were not able to do it again uh, this year but you know behind every cloud there's a silver lining. They're saying because they haven't got an attendance for the Sunrise event for this uh, year uh, it means that they're able to conduct some research and they're doing this research they obviously started it last year and they're able to do it again this year and they're measuring and monitoring the movement of the winter sunlight through the roof box into the passage and into the chamber to try to determine how this beam of dawn light interplays with the chamber during and past the solstice and when you think about how long ago that this was built that I mean it dates back to before the pyramids in Egypt it's just one of those great great wonders and for many years after it was discovered it was believed they c- it couldn't have been deliberately built this way but they've proven time and time again that lots of experiments have been done and it was it was built to align exactly with the rising sun on this morning and of course it's not just it's the, it can also happen on the day before the solstice and the day after and for a couple of days around this the chamber will start to light up and then it'll stop and it won't light up again until the, uh, next year and actually if you go to gov.ie opw and heritage ireland uh, .ie they have been doing live streaming of the event on the website now they did it yesterday they obviously did it again this morning for the for the actual solstice itself and it's been streamed again live if you're up in time uh, tomorrow morning now I know and I haven't been able to find out what happened today but I do know that yesterday morning for the streaming it wasn't too uh, successful because unfortunately it was a very cloudy morning in the Boyne Valley yesterday so the chamber didn't light up uh, and as I say I don't know what happened this morning for it but there is another opportunity tomorrow morning for the live streaming from uh, Newgrange either on gov.ie forward slash opw or you can go to heritageireland.ie but it is one of those great great uh, wonders uh, 1850 remember yesterday we were talking about kind of different sort of Christmas uh, traditions and people were talking somebody had made the point that they weren't happy with the Angelus that's on RTE and there isn't a nativity scene and I forgot to, I flicked over yesterday uh, to watch the news at six o'clock and, I'm, and I normally always get the Angelus, the Angelus would always be on before the news, I'd switch over just before six and I didn't last night, it was about three minutes past six before I got to switch on the news and so I missed the Angelus because I don't know, did anybody watch it last night? I was wondering maybe for Christmas week that they'd start to introduce the nativity scene because what they have been showing for the last certainly week, maybe two weeks is that it's an old 
one that they made of a woman painting a picture of a street in Dublin and she's painting, she's superimposing a nativity scene. So there was a kind of a nativity scene on the Angels, but that wasn't happy. That didn't make one of our listeners happy yesterday. And then, of course, a number of people were talking about when we when we had our chat with them post that they didn't have a lot of nativity stamps this year. There's only the one that goes internationally as a nativity scene. All the rest are kind of happy, joyful stamps. And people were saying, are, are we losing what Christmas is all about? And is Christianity being taken out of uh, Christmas? But then, as others pointed out, it's the, uh, our country is no longer a predominantly Catholic country. And even people who will say that they are Catholics are not necessarily practising uh, Catholics. So it's a very changed Ireland. But I was saying one of my real bugbears is the is when I see the sign Xmas and I relayed the story yesterday how my own son David when he was very young we were passing a shop or a sign that had Xmas on it and he stopped it in his tracks and said they shouldn't do that and I said why? He said it's taking Christ out of Christmas and he was a young child at the time and it kind of stuck in my head and, and it's the thing I never write if I'm writing down Christmas even if I'm scribbling notes here at work about something I'll always write the full word I never write Xmas and I just it's just a personal thing that I have and I couldn't get over the number of people who then contacted me and agreed and said yes they absolutely dislike when somebody writes Xmas particularly on a Christmas card <laughs> if somebody says happy Xmas and all the best for the new year kind of thing it was really annoying for people but wait for this somebody has sent in a WhatsApp this morning there isn't a name on this and morning Patricia I was listening to you yesterday when you spoke of your annoyance towards those who as you say take Christ out of Christmas by writing Xmas instead of Christmas long ago I too used to be annoyed until I learnt that X is the Greek symbol for Christ. And it was actually used in early Christian times as a secret symbol by Christmas, by Christians to convey their beliefs to one another without letting non-Christians know what they were talking about. So those who write Xmas instead of Christmas are actually referring to Christ, whether they know it or not. (laughs) <laughs> don't you learn something new thank you for that and that's put a whole new spin on uh, Xmas and I think the majority of people though are, do, certainly don't realise that X is the Greek symbol for Christ I think for most people it's a kind of a lazy way out of writing Christmas but it certainly puts a whole new spin I should look at Xmas now in a different light and thank you to the listener who sent that on and also just to update you yesterday I read out a piece that I had spotted it had gone up on one of the community Facebook pages last week. I think it was in Glanmire. Uh, somebody shared it. And then I know the Mallow Act of Kindness page, the gang there shared it as well. And it was to do with a woman, a wheelchair user from West Limerick, who was on a visit to the Mallow area in her car. And the hand controls went in her car. And obviously she's a wheelchair user, well able to drive, but she has to use hand controls in order to drive. And she could not get the hand controls to work. So what did she do? She rang the local guard station in Mallow and she had put up on this Facebook post that two very friendly Gardaí, she only knew them as Timmy and Maria. She didn't have any second names, but she wanted to public acknowledge what they did because they went above and beyond the call of duty. The first thing they did was they tried to get her a wheelchair accessible taxi to get her back home to West Limerick so that she could leave the car and then the next day sort out what to do with uh, the car. But unfortunately, there was no wheelchair 
accessible taxi available to take her home. So what do they then then do? Now, I don't know which was it the Timmy or the Maria. I'm not too sure. But one of them drove this lady's car home because obviously the car was fine. It was just the hand controls were gone. So one drove the car home and then the other drove behind in a guard the car uh, to pick up the other person and bring them home. So they went out of their way to go 60 miles to take this woman home and this woman just wanted to acknowledge them and say well done. So we called it out yesterday and I was saying if anybody knew who the two Gardaí were Timmy and Maria, well we have found out their surnames. The two Gardaí that you were referring to yesterday Patricia are Timmy Stokes and Maria Morn. So well done to Garda Timmy Stokes and Maria Morn. And Maria it seems lives in Kilgar in County Kerry. So she ended up going home late after a 12 hour shift because she had to come back from West Limerick then get into her own car and drive home to Kilgarvan. So that was a, an exceptionally busy day for her. So well done to Timmy Stokes and Maria Moore and two Gardaí going above and beyond the call of duty. And then this morning in the paper I saw a story that made me smile. I said well our two Gardaí and Mallow were great but listen to this. It was a Gardaí in um, the Booterstown County Dublin uh, area. There was a, a a man by the name of John Larkin and, and he went public to share this uh, story. He ordered a Chinese takeaway, as we all do. And he said he was in total disbelief when there was a ring at the doorbell and somebody shouted, there's the Chinese takeaway. John goes out to, uh, the, to take the takeaway in and when he opened the door, there was a Garda in full uniform standing there and handed him his uh, takeaway. John said when he opened the door, like he was expecting a delivery driver, uh, but instead it was a Garda. Now he said the first thing he said, what's the delivery driver doing dressed up as, as a member of a Garda Chicane? So that was the first thing that went to his head. And then the Garda said to him, did you order food for delivery? And obviously John said, I did. Well, he said, I'm sorry to say, we had to detain the driver under suspicion of driving under the influence of uh, drugs. And the Garda said, look, I didn't want your food to go cold. And obviously the address was on the delivery docket. So he got into the guard the car and he drove to the Larkins house in Booterstown and says, there's, there you go, enjoy your meal and, and off he went. And John Larkin decided to go public on it um, social media to say look this is a great great act he's no name doesn't know who the guard was or, or anything but he just says it really reflects the Christmas uh, spirit and he said it certainly was an incident that he was never going to uh, forget and he felt that this guard went above and beyond uh, the call of duty making sure that the food got delivered and that it was still warm when it arrived on the Larkin family kitchen uh, table and he said that after he closed the door he realised he didn't even give him a tip he said he doesn't know whether he would have accepted a tip or, or not and seemingly when the guard the press office were asked to comment on it they said they don't comment on anything like that particularly something that would go up on social media but well done but we don't have a name on that guard uh, either uh, so well done they really they really are a great bunch and all too often people will criticise the guard when, when things go wrong and if they feel that the guard aren't doing what they're meant to be doing and I think it's acts of kindness like that they need to be uh, called out uh, as well so well done 1850 uh, 333 103 Bernie is taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp the programme at 0862 103 103. Thank you to Nana Buckley for sending in gorgeous photographs on Facebook and actually she sent one in earlier on as well to Ken. They're having a busy morning in um, Whelan making Christmas cookies for Santa Claus. Lovely picture of Donica, little Donica Sullivan really concentrating on cutting out his Santa 
cookies, uh, Christmas cookies for uh, Santa. And there was another one of Shaw, of Sarah and Sean O'Sullivan making the Christmas uh, cookies. There is nothing like baking with Nana and the patience that Nanas have. Uh, so well done to Nana Buckley there. And can we wish you a happy and a peaceful Christmas and a lovely thank you in from Fiona to say from Fiona uh, Shanahan uh, from Botterfant uh, to say uh, Hi Patricia just wondering if you'd let your listeners know that the Christmas appeal for 2021 that we spoke with Fiona about is now closed. She said we want to thank everyone who has donated to the appeal from the people who donated what they could to the people who took part in the Secret Santa donations to all of the businesses who gave vouchers of free services every single one of you made it a terrific success yet again too many to mention them individually all the packages that have been distributed will be distributed over the next few days to the families concerned unfortunately Fiona said they ran out of baskets and cellophane so they've improvised with boxes and bags which she says at the end of the day it's about what's in the hampers not the packaging and that is so so uh, true and she wants to wish everybody a safe and a, a happy uh, Christmas and well done and so many families through you know little fundraisers and little or little campaigns like that you know people locally trying to help out other local people so many families will be helped out uh, this year and then people like the societies of Vincent de Paul the work they'll be doing the Lions Club because there are people who are sadly who are in need this uh, Christmas and it's for those of us that are able to give that's what makes it important so that those that don't have this Christmas will be able to benefit and I uh, every year uh, say to uh, families to families who are struggling uh, to reach out and that can be difficult for families and there are families this year like there was families last year who were affected by COVID who on previous years would have been the ones who would have been donating to a lot of these campaigns have found themselves through no fault of their own short of cash this year and last year and they're the ones who we were really encouraging to reach out to say look I need a bit of help this year because your day will come around again and and in the coming years, you'll be back on your feet and everything will be, the pandemic will be a thing of the past and, you know, work will come back to you and income will come back into your household, uh, please God. And then you'll be able to, you know, pay it forward. You'll be able to and give back. You'll be able to donate to the various uh, campaigns. So thank you, Fiona, and well done to you and the team that got involved in that particular campaign. 1850 Bernie, taking your call. And just to follow on as well from uh, yesterday, we had a couple of calls in from uh, listeners who were wondering, did we know what, were the, what was the Christmas arrangement for the civic amenity sites across the uh, county? Obviously, people are planning on doing some recycling over the festive uh, period. So we sent an email off to Cork County Council and by the close of the programme yesterday we had nothing back from them but just to tell you the latest update on that the council have got back to us and they say that they're in the process of confirming the Christmas arrangements for the civic community sites at the moment and Cork County Council tell us that they, they revert back to us when everything is confirmed so hopefully we'll have something probably not today but certainly at some time during the week so we'll let you know what will be the Christmas arrangements for the civic community sites because it's a really good thing to do to make sure you are recycling this Christmas. Now, the CMO, Dr Tony Houlihan, yesterday said that the new restrictions will substantially cut the volume of total social contacts across society if people follow not just the letter, but the spirit of the guidelines. West Cork Councillor Danny Collins, who runs the Boston Bar in Bantry, joins me with his thoughts on the new restrictions. Good morning to you, Danny. 
Morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, last night was your first 8pm closing time. How did it go for you? Yeah, look, customers were understanding. Um, Basically, look, we closed the doors around at 7.28 and like left our customers drink up and they left in our premises, which like, you know, they they, they have changed their, their we say their their role in the evening. We say, like we're I had a couple of customers in who would normally come in around nine o'clock and be gone by ten or quarter but but like came out earlier yesterday evening. But look, it's different and like it's gonna be very challenging for the next week or two, but and especially in January when things will be very quiet. Prior to the new restrictions coming in and the new 8 o'clock closing, how was it going in your own bar? It was going okay, yeah. Well, people were obeying to the rules and regulations and um, wearing masks and uh, take names and check for the certs. And, like, you know, it was okay. Like, but it's down at least 50%, at least 50% compared to other years. Like, you know, you have to have customer seated. You can't use your bar counter. You know, like... You know, it's just, it's it, everything is down, really. You know what I mean? And, like, the uncertainty out there at the moment is, is, is like, very, very you know, mind-boggling, to be quite honest. Like, we, we keep on hearing from our teacher. He says we're in a better place than last year. But, basically, we're not, to be quite honest. Like, um... We're, like, well, well I, I think what he's talking about is we're in a better place than last year because of vaccinations and the booster rollout. Yes, but, like, still, we were led to believe that, that this was the... This was going to be the cure, like as we say, and uh, that um, like things would get back to normal. But like we were, pubs were supposed to get back to normal in was it October, November, where the back counter and like was supposed to be, um would come back and like but it hasn't like and we are um, especially like we say Friday, Saturday nights, which would be busier nights for us. We're, we're we're way down compared to we say twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen, whatever. Like you know, so like you know. You have restaurants. You just they don't want to take bars alone, like restaurants who do two sittings. No, they only can do one sitting. If they can do the one sitting, like you know, it's very hard. It's very hard for um, the bar owners, but it's, it's exceptionally hard for the staff. Um, because like two shifts of a day, like the second shift is gone. What do you do? Like you have to lay off that. So like, there's a lot of uncertainty for staff members out there who might have rents or mortgages or families. You know, and you know, it's just you know. I honestly believe, like, in the next week or 10 days, we'll be nearly the way things are going. We'll be fully shut down. And, like, you know, it's a grim Christmas at the moment. But would you accept it's the unpredictable nature of this virus? This isn't something that the government wanted to do. It certainly isn't. We're not in a situation that Neffet wanted to see us in. But it's just the unpredictability of coronavirus. Yes, but I... I believe we'll be living with this coronavirus for the next couple of years. There will be different viruses, I believe. And, like, the government has to set out a plan and meet with the industries and say this is the plan for the coming, whether a year or two years, before we get rid of this, this virus. Have you spoken, Danny, with others in the hospitality sector locally as to how they're coping? Yeah, I have. Um, both restaurants and bar owners and, like, they're kind of half frustrated and like, when is it going to end? Like, you know, it's just, it's, like, you know, it's it's very hard with all, like, being quite honest, like, in, in the industry, like, in the, and in the entertainment industry as well. Like, you know, like, cinemas, like, have to shut at 8 o'clock as well. And, like, you know, their, their main take 
is from 8 o'clock onwards where people go out to watch a film or whatnot. It's not just the bars alone, it's the cinemas, the restaurants, and the entertainment side of things. Like it's a long list of things at the end of the day. Are some opting just not to open at all, the fact that they can only open until 8 o'clock? Um, this week, um, like the next week or two, I, I, I believe most places would be open okay. because it's Christmas week, people are off. What I can see and I'm hearing in January, there's a number of places that won't open in, in, in the month of January. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't pay. Yeah, because we're looking, we're certainly looking at these restrictions to remain in place until the end of uh, January. But of course, we had the reports in some of the Sunday papers of this full lockdown after Christmas, even though that is being denied by the T- by the Taoiseach and, and was also denied by uh, Tony Houlihan, the, the CMO. But is there a nervousness out there amongst all the hospitality that we are heading to a complete lockdown? That's the general view out there, be quite honest, to the people I've spoken to, and my own view as well, that we will be hitting into, and I, I, I think it will be maybe, I, I honestly, I hope I'm wrong, I hope I'm proven wrong, but I, I, I believe that it could be before the new year. Yeah, and it's, the, you know, I was I was listening to a woman who was talking about her husband who was a chef uh, and he was going to be losing his job for the third time and she was just talking about the mental health issues that her husband had been battling with in the two previous lockdowns and her fear now for him going forward. Yeah, there's a lot of fear out there. Like, And then you have staff members, like we'd say, who work in restaurants or bars or cinemas, whatever. Like, they're, they're changing their jobs. And, like, that's going to be another... It's going to be hard enough to, like, you know, to get staff back because they're looking and saying, look, if I can get a, a, a job in a, a supermarket or whatever, some other business, like, at least I'll, I'll have worked um, 52 weeks of the year. So, like, that's another um, issue we have, like, you know, staff, get staff at the moment is very hard. Yeah, and you can't guarantee to them that even if you take them back on in uh, when things are, if things reopen in February, there's no guarantee that they'll have a job for the full year. And that, and there's no guarantee whatsoever. It's hard to employ there. somebody knowing that. that. Yeah, what you got, there's no guarantee out there. And like, that's what we're saying. We here in the industry are saying the government has to set out a plan to deal with this virus Come and meet with the industries, the VFI, the Restaurant Association, and put the plan together. And like, as I said earlier, we will be, I believe, we'll be living with this for a couple of years, this virus, and like, we can't be just shutting and Closing and opening, closing and opening. We don't know whether we're coming or going, to be quite honest. A listener wants to know why Why didn't you and other pub owners just say no? Well, well, what you call it, that, that, was, that was basically, it all said to me, and um, um, a number of publicans did say that we, we'd revolt against it, but I said, look, at the end of the day, if we we're reapplying for our licences, they could be objected to, and we don't need that. But you also, on the other side, and, and I, you know, I absolutely accept that it's affecting your, your business and my heart breaks for anyone in the hospitality industry that you've been the industry that has been most most affected. But do you not accept that lives will be saved if we can, as Tony Hoolan says, if we can stop people socialising and mixing with other groups of people? Ultimately, lives in the new year will be saved. I look. I know Tony Hoolan is doing his utmost what he can do, but still, at the end of the day, as I stated, like we're going to have other viruses, and is this going to keep on happening? And like you know, just just the uncertainty. Like, like I I know of a public in there who's paying a large rent, and like he won't get a break from his rent anymore. And like he just he just look, he, 
he says, he's like, do I expect my 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 rent and just pack up the pub business and I was gonna like, you know, so like, you know, we have to live with this for the next couple of years and we just a plan a plan from government has to come out. Okay, and then financial supports are, we know there was a lot of talk yesterday about uh, Michael McGrath and the financial supports that were going to be put in place for the industry. Are you happy with the financial supports that they've put in place? Well, what we haven't seen yet what, what, what they're, they're uh, proposing, so okay. we'll have to wait and see. But like, um, I will say, up to, I will give the government um, applaud them for what they've done so far. Like, um, they have helped us well, but still, it's not paying our bills at the end of the day. And it's not keeping people in jobs? And not keeping people in jobs, and that's basically it. Okay. It's, a, it's a big circle, to be quite honest. And, like, you you must think of the, the, the delivery guys, the reps on the road, you know, like, uh, musicians, they're all losing out at the end of the day. It's just not the, the bar staff itself. So. And then there's, for the restaurants, it's the suppliers and the people who... Yes. Yep, the food in, into those places. All right, listen, uh, Danny, it's certainly going yep. to be another very different Christmas to what we normally have here in uh, Ireland. But yep. stay safe and, and a thank happy you, Christmas. Uh, Patricia, a happy Christmas to you and all your listeners. And thank you for the, the great radio show every morning. We <laughs> I normally have it on the bar, but I don't know talk about my own bar, and it's always on in, in, in the bus, the bar every morning. Yeah, so very kind. My, my customers like to be listening to you while they're having a drink or yeah, having ve- a cup of coffee. You're very kind. Well, happy, happy Christmas, Christmas and stay yeah. safe, Danny. God stay bless. Bye-bye. Uh, bye. That is independent West Cork uh, councillor Danny Collins. C103. Students of Kilmean National School in Clonakilty were not going to let a global pandemic stand in the way of staging their Christmas concert extravaganza and joining me to explain what they've done this year is their principal uh, Kenneth McCarthy Good morning Kenneth Hi Patricia how are you uh, good you, to speak uh, to you this morning Well and it's great to speak to you uh, as well Have you a long tradition of staging Christmas concerts by the people um, of Kilmean? Yeah I suppose we do I suppose right right now as I speak you know the red carpet was put out for them this morning they're all down below in their rooms watching the Christmas concert on the big screen oh. Um, and I suppose, you know, they, they they are the heroes of the show. You know, um, you know I suppose, you know, you, you could hear a pen drop in the school between all the laughs as they watch themselves. And, you know, I suppose they're looking at it thinking maybe next year they might be in line for the Oscars. You know, <laughs> with the, with these films being made and stuff at the moment, you know. Now, to outline, but, uh, outline what, what, what you did and what the pupils did this year. So I suppose, um, you know, I suppose, you know, the show would normally be held in, in Rossmore Hall here in, in Kilmeen. And, uh, you know, I suppose there's a long tradition of, um, I suppose, drama and acting and whatnot and, you know, singing in, the, in our community here. And I suppose acting is part of the culture. And, you know, it's such an important, we've seen it from a school's point of view, it's such an important part of a child's development for their confidence, for their self-esteem and their well-being. And um, I suppose every year we'd be up in the hall um, we'd be kind of looking forward to the hall. It's a big, it's a big part of our calendar. Um, and last year, uh, for obvious reasons, we weren't able to hold a live show. And um, I suppose, like last year, we were kind of thinking maybe this is a once-off thing. We filmed it last year. We were hoping we'd be back on stage again this year uh, for this Christmas. And yeah. you know, I suppose we look back at only last month, Patricia, like even November. We were kind of seeing things going the wrong direction again. And um, so we said, look, we'll, we'll grab the bull by the horns and do the same thing again. We've, we're looking to have a fine hall here in our school. We filmed it here. Uh, we use green screen technology. The kids filmed it, you know, parts of it themselves. They edited parts of it themselves. Wow. Even, even the older class, the senior class, they wrote the lines themselves. 
And, um, you know, so I suppose what our, our thing was, like, we were kind of saying, look, you know, will we not let this thing go ahead? Our school is nearly 50, 50 years old next year, and it'll be the first time that we wouldn't have done it. So we said, look, in a way, this is, there's a life lesson in this too. We said, look, you know, there's, there's a lesson in, res, in resilience, you know. We, you know, let's, let's, let's do this, right? Let's, you know, make a, posit- make a positive out of a negative. And we did it. And um, so it took, you know, I suppose it took, the, the show was 108 minutes long. And I suppose it took a lot longer than 108 minutes, uh, you can imagine, to make. So each individual class sort of filmed their own little bit and then it was all put together, is that the...? They, they did, yeah. yeah. We put it all together on one, on one unit. Um, Terrific. Suppose, yeah, so I suppose, like, oh, in a way, you know, even, even kids now, we, we, you know, it's like a big family here in Kilmeen, like, we, you know, some kids now in, in all schools throughout Ireland, you know, there's, there's a lot more absences, as you can imagine, this year. Cause people yeah. are being careful and whatnot. And if there's anyone with a sniffle, they're kept at home, which is, you know, probably the right thing to do. But so as a result, on the final, final filming days, some kids missed out. We couldn't have that. We couldn't have any child missing out. So we filmed again. We reached out. We made up lines. <laughs> see, and that's, them in there. see, that's another plus. That wouldn't yeah. have happened in normal times if, they, no, if the play no, no. was going on and somebody and Johnny was sick. Johnny just wouldn't be able to make it on stage. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And we've been there. We've been there one, one year there. There was, I'd say, with about 15 kids missing oh. um, from the thing. So, which is a big, you know, it's a disappointment for them. But look, this time around, they're all in it. And as well as that, I think, too, a big one that we saw is like every parent would be able to see it. And even the grandparents who, you know, they've been kind of, you know, they've been. You know, they, they haven't been out as much as they would normally like to. Have been. Yeah. They'll they'll see it from the comfort of their own home. So in, in a way, yeah, cause it's, it, because right while the children are watching it uh, today, you're sharing it then with the families. Is is that, that's the plan? That's it. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, uh, and, and then can, and then can the family share it if they you know maybe have a a godmother living overseas? Can it be shared on? Yeah, I mean, like we'd one family now that actually sent it off to Australia last year, oh. um, which is you know fantastic. You know, so. Again, you know, people from different continents are getting to see it. So that is really um, special. That is really yeah. because I have a, I've one of my sister in law lives in Australia, and her little lad took part in his first nativity play. He was one of the three wise men, and we got a tiny clip on WhatsApp, and it yeah. struck me. I was, you know, that it was taken over the heads of other parents, obviously, uh, yeah. uh, of Jacob as one of the three wise men. I was thinking, oh, I'd love to have seen the full production. And here, here, that's exactly what you're giving to families. And then they'll have it forevermore. They have forevermore. Ah, yeah, it's brilliant. Sick, you know. it's brilliant. Now I know there's, there's nothing like the live performance. I know, you know I know. But I, know. I think there's positives in this too, you know. And if you know, sometimes you might, you might have some bit of the play, you might be able to hear it if you're in, you know, watching a live bit, picking up the volume, yeah. they can pause it, they can <laughs> rewind it, you know, they can, you know. Um, so, and, yeah. and I imagine a fantastic learning experience for the Big, children Big time, yeah. yeah. Big time. I mean, they, they, they and, and, and you know the whole process, the learning, the writing, the lines, you know, reshooting the thing again. They might, they might feel, and they, and they, they're good. They know it themselves. You know, they really take it on board themselves. They, they know. Okay, actually, I didn't do that again. Can I do it again? We're like, okay, or I will take it again. Cut five, cut six, whatever. And you know, um, yeah. So no, it's a great learning, and you know, it's a show, and they, they feel pride. The, the pride that they feel from this and the confidence that they get from it and everything. It's, it's wonderful. Like, and I'm telling you, are, we you could know. have some of the Saoirse Ronans and the Colin Rines of the of Colin Farrells of the future yeah, who hopefully. look back and how did you get involved in acting? Well, I took part and in the school Christmas yeah. play and we filmed it. Yeah. <laughs> you never yeah. know. It's oh. brilliant. It really is brilliant. brilliant. It's and, a positive story, yeah. Yeah, and holidays tomorrow, is it, uh, Kenneth? Holidays tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. yeah. The, the, um, so, been a, it's yeah. been a tough year for the kids. 
it's been a tough year for the kids, but you know, I suppose in a way we kind of we know we, as adults we kind of know what's going on in the out in the world, right? Yeah. But we kind of we kind of shelter the kids from a lot of that, you know. Um, you know, I mean, it's you know they're they've been brilliant. They've been you know they've they've you know they've had we've had you know Zoom classes during the year when things were closed, you know. Um, you know they've 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 done really well. Like they've you know they've all loved coming onto the cla- online classes. They, they they you know sometimes you know if they're sick, the parents have been so good. They keep them at home. People are very good, you know. But it has been a tough year. But then you know we we try and push the positives all the time, and we've you know we still we still have Christmas concert. We still have sports. We still have you know we still you know there's nothing really I think that they've really missed out on. Yeah, um, that's really, that's uh, no, that's that's a good riff. Yeah, and I mean the Zoom classes worked, and I know people had huge issues with broadband in in some areas, and that was uh, tricky. But the the children missed being in the classroom, didn't they? They missed being around. They did, yeah. Their and friends, I remember, yeah, they did. And I suppose in one sense, you know, I suppose look, we were it was what it was, and we were all kind of separate from each other, and we were all and we were lucky to have Zoom. And in a way, I, what I looked from, I took from my classes that. They were actually, they were just as well pleased, not just to see me, but they were so well pleased to see each other and even have a chat about a new puppy that came into their house <laughs> or a new cat or a new whatever, you know, uh, or even just tell about something, you know, anything, any kind of news they have like that, which is, it was a good social way of keeping that social link going, um, you know, and in a kind of a safe environment, you know. Uh, so now they were, yeah, we were yeah. lucky to, you know. And why? And let's acknowledge while it's been, you know, it's been tough on 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 the children. And as you said, they did. They all got through it. Thank God. It's been tough on teachers as well. And I know teachers can get a bashing sometimes. They're sitting at home doing nothing. But it has been tough on teachers. It ha- yeah, it, it, it has. I mean, like when this all happened, um, we had very little time. We had no training in in, in, in online. I mean, any this was like in online and how to do online. We'd learn very quickly how to adapt. And but in fairness, like the teachers have adapted and you know the majority have done like a really really good job and you know in, in, in continuing education and being involved in the child's education even though you were doing it from home I even know for my own sake like I have two kids going to primary school I barely saw them during the um during the homeschooling it, it took a lot long it was such a slower process like coming to school you can't beat it being in school being in the building um meeting kids face to, you know face to face um classes um but um, yeah, it has, like it. it has been tough. But I, I mean, I think you, you know, teachers took it on a lot of them. Mm. Pretty much like every, everyone here, they took it on board and they just did it and they wanted to be involved and they wanted to be part of it. And you know, um, have you, you have know. you managed to get any of the HEPA filters that there's been so much talk about? There's been a lot of confusion about it. Actually, yeah. there's no guidance whatsoever from the department on it. Other than they they did now they were very good to kind of give us funding towards them some bit of funding, but still we're kind of again. The school principals are kind of told, look, you know, sort it out. But again, we're not engineers. We're not, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and, and the thing about what I'm reading up on it, I'm kind of, and I always check things first before I get something in, before I invest heavily in something. The, the thing about it, the windows are still meant to be open. Uh, yeah. so the problem at the moment, hearing from, you know, lots of kids and, you know, we our gang here, they wear hats and coats if they want and whatnot, but the windows have to be open still, even with a HEPA filter. Um, which doesn't, I thought, my initial thoughts was, Great, close the windows, keep the heat in, put in the HEPA filters and everything's fine. But it won't get rid of the cold element um, in classrooms. Oh, I, I, 
actually I would have been with you as well I thought that the HEPA filter so- solved that so you could close the windows and it would clean the air and yeah. I saw a teacher on our principal on, online yesterday saying you know she was trying to get quotes and she said I got everything from 3000 to 300 she said I don't know actually I'm not an engineer I don't know what a HEPA filter is or, or yeah. what to buy and what not to buy listen you've played a blinder this year so uh, well done and once again congratulations to everybody involved with your oh, Christmas concert you. extravagant and enjoy the Christmas break Kenneth thanks Patricia happy Christmas happy Christmas bye 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 Kenneth McCarthy there principal of Kilmean National School in Clonakilty 1850 Bernie it's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Liz says Patricia the Frank 12 Days of Christmas will you be playing it this year we always play that on uh, Christmas Eve uh, Liz and I don't think this year is going to be any different actually it's on my to-do list for this afternoon is to go through all the Christmas CDs and we try on Christmas Eve every year to kind of play some of the songs that you don't normally uh, hear on the radio and uh, certainly the Frank Kelly's The 12 Days of Christmas is always one that listeners ask for so Liz I definitely will uh, be planning on putting that in the list for uh, Christmas Day and I know yesterday somebody was asking about it's a petatonic you know that fantastic group they don't use they're an American group they don't use any musical instruments and all the vocalizations that you hear it's all all the sounds are done with um, done themselves it's incredible the sounds they make the most amazing music but they bought out a brilliant Christmas CD a number of years ago and there's a, a come all ye faithful on that that they do that a listener remembered that I played uh, last year I think I've been playing it for the last couple of years it's a it's a fantastic song so definitely I'll be playing that one again anybody else has suggestions we're trying to get some of the, the older carols as well as I say we don't get to hear them that often on the radio uh, we try and include as many of those as we can on, uh, Chris, on our Christmas Eve programme which of course will be this uh, Friday and a lovely text in following my interview with Kenneth McCarthy who's the principal of Kilmean National School in Clonakilty who we spoke with in the last hour about their Christmas concert extravaganza that they have filmed and they've done the edit the children some of the children have helped out with the editing on it which is a fantastic learning experience for them uh, as well and today as we speak they're all in the school hall and they're all having a premiere event they're watching it and they have the red carpet out and they're feeling like little movie stars I imagine in Kilmean in advance of that Christmas concert going home so that all the children all the Families will get to see it as well. But well, one of the parents contacted us to say, to say, great to hear uh, Kenneth, the principal from Kilmean, on your programme this morning. My children go to that school and they are fantastic. The kids have such a wonderful time and they're treated like their own. It's not a lovely thing to say about a group of teachers and a principal to say that they treat the children as if they're their own children. That really is a sweet thing to say. Huge thanks to everybody at Kilmean says this parent, we can't wait to see the concert. And you can imagine today when the children come home from school, the chat and the excitement of what they saw in the concert and being able to tell mammy and daddy and granny and granddad and the other siblings what they're going to see when they get to play the concert at home. Yeah, really, really exciting uh, stuff. Thank you. And I always appreciate when people We'll take time out to send in a message like that. Thank you uh, for uh, that. And I also mentioned Gardaí earlier on when I was talking about the two Gardaí from Mallow who helped out that woman who needed to get back to Limerick and went above and beyond the call of duty. And then I was talking about the Gardaí in Dublin when they stopped somebody who was doing a delivery drive 
delivery drop for a Chinese restaurant and he got arrested under suspicion of driving while under the influence of uh, drugs and rather than let the food go cold or rather than not let the food be delivered the Gardaí put it into the squad car and drove to the address on the docket and dropped off the Chinese takeaway which I thought was a really kind thing uh, to do as well. Bertie says Gardaí have a tough job and are good at what they do. We all need to respect them, particularly over the Christmas period. Happy Christmas, says Bertie, to all Gardaí. And here's hoping that they all have a safe one. Well, that's a nice text as well. Thank you uh, for that. And thanks to John in Madden's Buildings in Blackpool. Sending our Christmas greetings to myself, Bernie and John Paul. We appreciate that. Many happy returns to you, uh, John. On pubs that we spoke about, the new restrictions are in now, as in from last night, eight o'clock closing for the hospitality uh, sector. And it's really tough on those working in the industry Others can see it very much, can understand why Neffet, now if they were to go with an effort recommendation, they'd be closed at five, but the government extended it, extended it to eight o'clock uh, closing. And you have a cohort of people who understand why it's happening, but then there's a cohort of people who really do not understand why it has happened at all. And you can't help but have sympathy for those that work in the sector. Uh, Ross uh, says, why couldn't they have at least left the pubs open until uh, 10 o'clock and then let uh, everyone just cop on after 10 o'clock and go home? I suppose Neffert would say that if you allow people to stay drinking for too long and the longer the period that people are out uh, drinking that they're, they're not able to cop on and that that's, uh, that's what happens. And listener in Bantry doesn't have any sympathy with the publicans at all and says uh, pubs and publicans had it good for too long and it is so expensive. This listener says, glad that the pubs are actually closing and closing earlier. And do I take it from that? If you had your way, uh, you wouldn't have them opened at all. But not everyone's going to agree with you on that. But of course, I heard the Taoiseach earlier this morning was talking about that we don't, we still don't know a lot about the Omicron variant and that therein lies the problem. It's only a little over a month ago that we first started mentioning Omicron. It took us a week or two to be even able to pronounce the word uh, and we're only sort of finding out more about, more about it. We do know how contagious this variant is. If nothing else, we certainly know that. So the Taoiseach was making the point earlier this morning that look, enough isn't known about this uh, variant and because of that he said we can't simply be allowed to let it run through the population. He said, we can't take the risk of just letting it rip and hope for the best. Because in the very early days when we started talking about Omicron, people were saying, oh, it's only like a a kind of a flu or a a heavy cold and people would be fine. But we don't know for sure if that is the case. And that's why you've got Neffet and that's why you've got the government saying and the Taoiseach backing it up this morning saying that we can't just take the risk and let it rip and hope for the best that if anybody gets it, it is only just going to be a a heavy cold. And that's the reason that the decisions were taken. And of course, boosters were all told if to get additional protection against the Omicron variant, you need to have your booster. And yesterday we had a lot of questions in for Peter Weedle, who joined us talking about the current booster campaign that's up and running. Still getting in questions uh, about it. And uh, one listener says, can a person who has asthma get a uh, booster under the uh, uh, 25 and the five months are not up yet since their second uh, vaccine? Well, the five months is kind of gone now. They've reduced that back down to three months. They haven't got to the 20-year-olds yet. 
But what you would need to do is you would need to check in with your GP because vulnerable people with any kind of illnesses. Now, I'm not saying that all asthma sufferers are being deemed vulnerable to COVID and that they must get the the booster shot. But I would check with your GP because your GP is going to know at what state your asthma is at and if you're in a high risk category if God forbid that you picked up COVID so I would be putting a call through because certainly your age category isn't getting the booster at the moment but if you fall in to anyone with an underlying illness or in vulnerable category then the age bit goes out the door and anyone can get it if you're getting it on medical grounds. So a call to your GP is what you certainly need to do today. And yesterday we had, because we know that they've started vaccinating the 40 to 49 year olds, now anybody over 40 is entitled to a booster at the moment. But we had a number of people under the age of 40 contacting us saying, any dates, any idea when we are going to get our vaccine? And I said I'd do my best to try and look into it uh, yesterday. And it seems that boosters for people in their 30s won't be administered until next month. Now, they'll be done at the same time that the non-priority children aged between 5 and 11 are vaccinated with two doses and then also there'll be another category they'll open up to as well, people aged 16 to 25. They're the ones who got the single dose, if 16 to 25 year olds who got the single dose Janssen vaccine, they're all going to get their booster jabs at the same time. Now, NIAC, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee, they're the ones who decide who gets the boosters and when. They have recommended non-priority children should receive first doses at the same time that they're going to give the boosters out to the under uh, 40s. But therein straight away lies the problem. That is going to put the vaccination programme under huge pressure in January because they're going to have to try managing the mass rollout of the first dose vaccines for those children, along with the mass rollout of boosters for two larger groups, the people under uh, 30 and over and those ones that got the Janssen. So, and we know that whenever they open up at the start, like what happened at, at, on Sunday, when they open up to a new age group, there's there's an initial huge rush of people desperate to get in at the very start. So it is certainly going to put the vaccination programme under pressure in January. The first vaccine doses for children aged 5 to 11, that's going to start this week. Now that's with the high risk children and they'll be done in the paediatric hospitals. And then online registration will then open up on December the 27th for other high risk children and their vaccination programme then will begin from the 3rd of January. Then the non-priority children, they'll start to receive their doses. They reckon around the 10th of January. Now a lot of those dates are a little bit um, uh, flexible. The HSE said that the programme, that they're working through the ages as quickly as possible and that they're hoping everybody who wants to have a booster will have one by either the end of January or early February. That's the kind of the timeline that they have set. Now that's unless you are in the category which now runs into tens of thousands of uh, people who are fully vaccinated but who caught COVID in the last six months. They unfortunately are not entitled to a booster shot until they're six months past the date that they were confirmed positive for COVID-19. And for many of those, it means waiting until we're well into 2022 before the six months is up, before they can get the jab. Now, that six-month timeline, that also was set by NIAC, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee. Now, the reason that they set it, it's on the grounds that the immunity from the infection after getting covid 
that people will have that immunity so therefore they don't need the booster. No point giving those people the booster when others don't have that immunity so give it to other people instead. So they set this wait list of uh, six months. But if you go just across the water to the UK, if you're living in the UK and you were doubly vaccinated and then you got COVID and now you're due a booster, you only have to wait 28 days, four weeks after testing positive for COVID and they're giving the booster uh, out. So I've a sneaking feeling that this is something NIAC may have to look at again. I know uh, Dr. Gerald Barry, he's the Assistant Professor of Virology at UCD in Dublin. He says that that timeline should be shortened and if he had his way, it would be the same as it is in the UK and it would be down to 28 days because he said the protection we used to get from previous infections, he said that the evidence is there that that has been reduced. He said the likelihood of reinfection is five times higher with Omicron than with previous variants and he said the word immune means resistance to infection and he said this is not really accurate in the case of the Omicron variant anymore and he reckons that NIAC need to look at their advice and need to uh, update it. There's around 300,000 COVID-19 infections have been reported in the last six months. That's 300,000 people who are not entitled to their booster and a very significant proportion Now, some of those would have been unvaccinated and obviously are people that don't want to get a vaccine but a large proportion of those people were vaccinated so they were people, uh, you would assume if they were vaccinated are people who do want to get the, uh, do want to get a booster. And doctor, this Dr. Tara Barrett makes the point, and this is what I would be fearful of, of, of as well, are you creating a false sense of security in people that may think they're bulletproof because they already had COVID and they may think, oh, I don't need to be as careful anymore. Sure, I can't get it again. And that, unfortunately, is not the case with um, Omicron. And I know the figures that were out today are showing a huge rise in the numbers of 16 to 34 year olds. There's a massive spike in the cases in that particular age group. It's one of the highest rates for this cohort since the start of the pandemic. And the 16 to 34 year olds, a high number of those, while they would be vaccinated, a high number of those in their 20s would have been the ones that would have got the Janssen. And we know that the Janssen certainly is not offering protection against the Omicron uh, variant. So we wait for NIAC at the moment. NIAC was saying, if you were tested positive for COVID-19 you have to wait six months from the date that you tested positive. Will they change their minds? I have a feeling that they will. 1850-333-103 Bernie, taking your calls. C103 Jobs Irish Yogurt, they're based in Clan. They have vacancies for a dispatch manager and a dispatch supervisor. They're also looking for a health and security manager. CVs please to r.scully at irish slash yogurts.ie care assistants are required. It's for St. Joseph's Day Centre there in Rathmore and these jobs start in January. Sean is your contact at 87 2247454. Experienced and reliable bar person wanted to work in the Canturk area 87 2252443. And a driver slash helper is required to work with Country Clean. Please contact Brian at 086 3821532 or if you prefer to email you can you email brian at countryclean.ie You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to see one It's that time of the year Your vacation is coming up You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze 
relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. 3.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Hailing from the north side of Cork City, James Leonard and Timmy Long, known collectively as the Two Norries, have been well known for their number one podcast of the same name. They are planning to take their show live with three dates for next year, including one here in Cork, and to chat about the Two Norries changing the conversation tour. Both James and Timmy join me this morning. Good morning to you, lads. Good morning. Uh, How are good morning. You? Uh, you're, very, you're very welcome. James, for someone who has not heard your podcast, I suppose, can you start by describing what it is and what you guys actually do on your podcast? So our podcast is basically themed, started off around talking about addictions and mental health, um, prison and stuff like that, because that's our backstories and has grown from there to include just general social and health issues and we touched on topics such as eating disorders, depression, suicide, um, autoimmune conditions and, you know, it's a, a, a good eclectic mix of topics. And Timmy, how did the podcasts start? How did they come about? Um, nearly two years ago, James would have been on the commentary and so and a lot of, a lot of his story resonated with a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of people contacted him, asking him for just advice. And a lot of people might have asked him for help as well. And we both of us were sitting down having a cup of tea one day, just chatting about it. And we just decided to start our own podcast and talk about stories, uh, inspirational stories, comebacks, basically, from addiction, um, drug addiction, alcoholism, mental health problems, gambling addiction. Uh, eating disorders and it just it just went from there really people started to get inspired by a lot of our guests and it was help, it still is helping a lot of people to yeah. 
uh, understand some of the issues that they might have in their lives. Could you ever have predicted how successful it was going to be, though, Timmy? No, no. I suppose when, if if you look if you look out there at the moment, there's nothing really like it. But a lot of the topics are very. There's a lot of shame and um, guilt and stuff around a lot of our topics, and people uh, people are they don't want to speak about them, you know. Um, so it actually took an awful lot out of myself and James at the beginning to to really talk about our own stories and it, it, was a, it was an emotional time at the beginning but I never, never thought it would take off the way it is but uh, it just shows, the, it just goes to show that there's so many people need need advice and help mm-hmm. and inspiration. That's the, that is the sad uh, reality of it and yeah. James, listening uh, uh, to them, I always feel like I'm eavesdropping on a conversation and to me, that's probably one of the successes of uh, your podcast. And people seem to get very relaxed in talking to you. Yeah, because, you know, like if you're watching a TV show, a panel discussion or whatever, it's all, it can be very staged and scripted and they know exactly where they're going with it. But when you when you watch our podcast, there's nothing staged or scripted about it. It's just a conversation between three people, sometimes four. So it does feel like you're eavesdropping on the conversation because that's all it is. You're just observing and listening to a conversation. And myself and Timmy are quite relaxed and calm people. And so we try to create the environment for the guests when they arrive for them to be relaxed and calm too. And when everybody is relaxed and calm, the conversation is more natural and the flow is easier that way, you know? And I have to say to you, you both have a great skill set in doing what you're doing. You're both great listeners but you're also both great at asking the right questions at the right time and I don't know if either of you are aware that you have that skill set Well we we're getting better as we go (laughs) I think it's just the natural I think I have a natural curiosity about me and then Timmy has the kind of emotional intelligence to be able to relate with people so we're very different people in terms of what we bring to it. So Timmy has the emotional side of it, how he connects with the guest, and I kind of bring a, kind of try to explain some of the topics through the academic and mm. sociological, psychological side of it. Well, it so, works. It, it, yeah. it, it certainly works. And by, and by the way, Timmy, how how did the two of you get to know each other? Myself and James grew up in the same estate. James okay. would be a few years younger than me. I won't tell you how many. Now, <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we grew up in the same estate, and James, uh, would have hung around with my younger brothers and the two of us we came into recovery around the same time and at the time they, you know at that time there wasn't many from our area people that we grew up with doing the same thing as we were doing and, and it just it just kind of made us more closer at the time so because we had things we had a lot in common in, in regarding recovery and, and some of our chats were just about how how we'd work around different issues that we we were going through at the time and um, before that like it would have been Jim he'd, uh, he would have been my age group and but it, we played soccer for years and out in the streets and we would have drank together we would have drunk together and, and you know you we we basically nearly grew up in the same house because yeah. we were that close growing up, you know, in the estate, the houses were so close. 
And um, since then, like, we just know each other quite well and it just works. It works really yeah, that, well. Yeah, and that bond comes across in, in, in listening to both of you uh, as well. And Timmy, do you ever have any problem getting guests to come on and chat with you? No. Um, when we're bringing guests on, we, we have to ensure all the time that the guest is, is able for whatever comes up. You know, because it's not all the time people get a lot of positive feedback, you know, and because of maybe something that would have went down in the past or whatever. But we always bring on somebody that's quite able in their lives, you know. It, it, they're not somebody who's going to be very vulnerable or anything like that. We have to look at that person and make sure that they're able to whatever feedback. And the guests, like all of our guests, are absolutely fantastic. And it's just... it's. Well, well, you know, everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants to, to help other people to, uh, uh, with their story, by telling their story. Mm. And it, it's just it's incredible how it works. You know, it it, it, it would remind you of the ANA kind of um, way of things. And it's, we just bring people on. It's not a non stories just for the benefit of helping other people. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's something we all, no matter how bad our stories are, we all want to share our own stories and tell our own stories and, and you're giving people the opportunity to do that. And then for the listener, people will go, God, I've been through that as well. And there's, you know, there's, there's healing in that. There is, yeah. And it's not just about like people having, you know, interesting stories, you know, because there's loads of people that have interesting stories, but they might be in the best place personally to tell it. So like what Timmy was saying, we, we do our research and we'll vet people as best as we can, but it's also important that you can talk about the addiction and the childhood trauma and neglect, abuse, eating disorders and all these things, but that's only half it. There's always a turnaround and the important piece then is to explain to people what you did turn your life around, mm. what support you accessed, what methods of recovery you employed because what worked for me didn't work for Timmy and what worked for Timmy might work for the next person. There's many ways to skin a cat and we tried to cover all those methods on the podcast. Well done, well done. And uh, Timmy, how nerve-wracking then is it to turn a podcast into a live show? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see that. <laughs> but no, you know, with me, James, by confidence, with me, it takes me, I leave James break the ice and, um, before I really get I just I I really like just listening to people and and coming in then when I'm able to relate with that person and uh, share some of my experience with them so they they feel that there's they're not different to everybody else you know um, but the live podcasts are a different level of stuff like you've you you could have a few hundred people there and they're completely tuned into what you're saying because it might be relevant to their story and and they might they might get some insight into some family members, what's going on for a family member or something like that. So it's very important, you know, um, but I do my best, you know, sometimes I do get quite nervous, but I'm growing as well, you know, we're 80 podcasts, you know, at the moment, and there's a massive difference from the way I was, how nervous I was at the beginning to compare to where well I am done. at the moment. Well done. And James, your the Opera House gig is, uh, fingers crossed, that uh, everything will go okay with restrictions. You're down for uh, the week of Valentine's, actually. It's the, the 12th of uh, February. And your guest is Pat, the wonderful Pat Falvey. What do you think Pat will bring to the evening? Well, Pat is a fellow on that north side. Or he's originally from Grand Bravo and Baker's Road. So it's great that he's from the north side, but he's also like 
of this world famous you know, explorer, um, first Irishman up Everest. He's been to the far four corners of the earth and he's come through his own difficulties as well, you know, the depression and suicide ideation to become, you know, a, a world renowned and successful explorer. So um, and we've been down in his house recently as well, you know, he invited us down for the weekend and he looked after us and he's just a gentleman and he's been a, a mentor to us over the last couple of months. So it'd be great to share the stage with him. Brilliant. Brilliant, really, really uh, brilliant. Do you believe we are seeing an increase in addiction as because of the pandemic, James? Um, well, I work in drug and alcohol services, so I think that there is more of a problem with substances at the moment. I think that the lockdowns, in and out of lockdowns, um, has deteriorated people, and I think that the alcohol consumption in particular has kind of gotten out of control for a lot of people that maybe would have otherwise not become addicted because the loss of jobs, you know, family breakdowns, you know, being isolation, the anxiety of the pandemic. I think people look for a comfort and some people find that comfort in substances, but also in shopping, in pornography, in other forms of, I suppose, unhealthy coke skills, you know, so we won't truly know until we're out of the pandemic but we're actually still very deep in it at the moment you know, so I wish everybody well over to New York Yeah and the, the pandemic has been difficult Timmy hasn't it for, for people who are in recovery from uh, addiction Massively you know when you take structure out of somebody's life when you take their 9 to 5 job and going to the gym and, and the weekend then socialising to all of a sudden they're at home sitting in a home for seven days a week, boredom kicks in. You can only watch so much Netflix and boredom kicks in and you're, ah, sure, I might as well have a drink today. There's nothing going on. And the next day, you'll carry it on. And the next day, that has happened across the board with gambling, drink, drugs, food addiction, you know, gems of pornography, all these things. And we will not see the effects of that. Like, I, I really feel sorry for the kids. Like, kids... Their structure was completely taken from them overnight, and if that we won't know for a few years, like yeah, yeah, you're right, you're you're right. But you're both because you and you're both so open and so honest about your recovery from from alcohol and 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 drug addiction. James, is your message very much to people that recovery is possible? That's basically it, and I always say like. Myself and Timmy are no, like, we're not anything special. Like, we're just two guys that have come through a bit of hardship and become addicted to alcohol and drugs. And all we did was access the support that was available. And those supports are available to everybody. But it just takes time to build up the courage to, to pick up the phone and then to build up the confidence to actually think that you can do it. So everybody needs support and everybody needs help. And our message is just to show like that support is there and you are able you're more able than you actually think so just go for it don't give up this message well done well done and tickets are, are available at theoperahouse.ie uh, for the two uh, two Naris live 12th of February with special guest Pat Falvey and is it true James when I was listening to the podcast at the weekend you're going to is it roll around in a bikini on stage I don't know about I don't think the world is prepared for that yet <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I, I still have the Covid belly but, uh, 
the COVID stone. Listen, you, yeah, you're I a credit. You're, you're an absolute credit to yourselves uh, and to each other because it's just it's brilliant. You're, you're, I would direct anyone who hasn't heard the podcast uh, to tune in. As I say, there's there's eight, 88 of them there now, and they're just so easy to listen uh, listen to and while you deal with at times very very tough issues it's just it's the way you deliver them they're fantastic they really are they really pack a punch they're fantastic uh, the two Naris it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this morning uh, boys and we'll speak again no doubt in the future uh, but look after yourselves and have a happy Christmas Many happy returns. Thank you very much. God bless. Uh, bye bye, James uh, Leonard and Timmy Long, aka the two Naris. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Bernie taking your calls. This is the Court Today replay on C one zero three. C one zero three. The Dublin Convention Centre, Kilkenny Castle, the Rock of Cashel, Stormont, and our own City Hall will be among the sites lighting up green to mark the Samaritans' longest night, which is happening tonight. Tuesday, December the 21st. Joining me with further details, Jonathan Neville, who's a volunteer and director of the Cork Samaritans. Good morning to you, Jonathan. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Why is this the longest night so significant for the Samaritans? It's it's a a way of telling people, um, let them know that um, we're available 24-7, given the time of year and given the upcoming first of Christmas season and so on. Normally, we would be on the streets of, in Cork City Centre, but unfortunately, because of obvious reasons, we're not there again this year, you know. And the festive season, is that one of the busiest times for your volunteers? It is very much so, yes. Um, last year, we had uh, 35,000 calls in last December. And the main concerns back then were all about isolation and illness and and, and at the moment, there are the main concerns we hear again because of, you know, things being locked down and more waves and all that stuff. You know. And Christmas itself can be a difficult time anyway, can't it, for, for people, particularly people who, who are struggling? Yes, it, it, it can evoke many memories for lots of people. You know, family arguments, you know, losing a loved one. You know, it, it's, it's a very stressful time, for people, more so. And do you ever have any problems getting people to volunteer Christmas Day in particular? Uh, no, we've been very good, actually. Our volunteers are, um, are very dedicated, I have to say. We, we've 180 volunteers based out of uh, Cork City Centre branch, but they come from all over Cork County, all the way down to Clannacoon, to ride over to Yall and up the Mallow kind of direction. So we've got great volunteers. So, yeah, they're brilliant. And, and we're, we're, very, we're truly appreciative of them, especially at three o'clock in the morning. Isn't oh, yeah, yeah it's a, that's a tricky time. Now, how many sites will be lit up green here in Cork? Well, at the moment, it'll be City Hall, uh, County Hall, um, our own building on Coates Street in Cork, uh, Blackrock Castle, Great. Uh, the bus station, uh, the train station in Cork, and hopefully Cork Airport as well. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. There's, about, there's over 100, I think I read online yesterday, doing it nationwide. All over Ireland, yeah. We, we feel this is the best way to draw awareness of, of, our, of our service, given like, you know, that we can't really go on the streets and make more people aware. Like, you know, I know. That. And I've I've spoken throughout the pandemic with various charities who have all been, some of them, their fundraising absolutely decimated because, as you say, the traditional way of fundraising is gone. How have you managed fundraising-wise? Uh, it's been difficult. Um, you see, we're different than a lot of charities because we're all volunteers. Like, we, we know, like, there's no paid people in our, in our branch in Cork, you know, so, and 
our, our traditional way of raising money was doing public events like that as well, and it's been hit hard, unfortunately. Like, you know, but we're doing our best. We're, we're, like, our volunteers are still coming in, and we're still managing to pay the, the heating and lighting bills and so on. Well done, well done. How long have you been yeah. a volunteer? I've been a volunteer myself for, for 13 years, and actually next year the Cork Samaritans will be in Cork 50 years, which is quite an achievement for them, I have to say. And, and I know... Um, what you give to people. I think anyone who's ever dealt with the Samaritans will, will know the important role. But what do you get from it, um, Jonathan? And what keeps you going? I mean, 13 years is to volunteers a long time. It is indeed. Uh, in fairness, we have some volunteers with us 35 years oh. the one higher. <laughs> but no, um, for myself personally, it, 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 it's, it's kind of like a good karma effect, basically. Like, you know, but just by being there, I just by listening to people, which itself is a very powerful thing to do, um, you really can help people. Like you know, and it's it's just the the fact that you you know that you can help people in that regard. Like, like we don't give advice, so we just listen. And and the power of listening, as I said, is, is very powerful indeed because it gets people talking about how they really feel. You know. Yeah, well, that's that's all people need is uh, at times it's just somebody to to listen to them. So um, yeah. I you know it this is one of those ones I don't want to wish you a busy Christmas, but I know you're going to have a bit have yeah. a have a busy Christmas. Uh, so uh, stay safe, and it's one one six one two three is is your that's number. Correct, yeah. and and you can also email us at joe at samaritans dot as well. Joe at Samaritans.ie Jonathan have a happy and a peaceful Christmas to you and all of the volunteers at the Samaritans and thanks for joining Thank us on the programme Good morning to you Bye 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 Jonathan and Neville in advance of the Samaritans longest night happening uh, tonight 116123 Now I've had a lovely email in from the Middleton Bike Project to say just like last year they're once again going to be doing Christmas dinners at the Middleton Bike Project on Christmas Day and they're doing them from about 12 noon. Now it's for people who would not have a way or a will to cook a Christmas dinner. They're aiming at people maybe living alone who think oh what would be the point of cooking a Christmas dinner for one Uh, or there can be people this year who normally might be going home to loved ones at Christmas or normally might have had a gang around the Christmas table but because of Covid they're going to be on their uh, own. Dinners will be on a takeaway basis because obviously of COVID restrictions and places are going to be limited. So anybody in the Middleton area who fits into the category, you need to pre-book. All bookings and inquiries can be made through the Middleton Bike Project Facebook page. And thank you to Willie for getting that uh, detail, that, that information in. So anybody in the Middleton area in need of a Christmas dinner this year, please don't be without, without. Contact the Middleton Bike Project on their Facebook page and please God they'll be able to sort you out with a gorgeous, yummy Christmas at dinner. And Sheila was on to say, Patricia, since I came to Ireland some 30 years ago, I've tried on a couple of times to donate blood, but they didn't want my blood. Why? Because I lived in England during the mad cow disease. I've just heard on the news that they're now importing blood from England. So does that mean that I can now donate? I'm confused. And that's signed Sheila. Sheila, they lifted that ban a couple of years ago because I remember actually doing interviews with the Irish Blood Transfusion Service Board about the fact that they were lifting the ban and indeed up to that every time 
I bought on the Irish Trans, at the Irish Blood Transfusion Service Board to do any kind of an interview about blood donation I would always 100% get at least one if not more calls from somebody just like you Sheila who said I lived in the UK for a period of time I was a blood donor when I lived in the UK I'd love to be able to give blood but because of the rules that they had in place that got introduced actually back in 2004 the ban meant that anyone who had lived in the UK or indeed in Northern Ireland between 1980 and 1996 which was when the mad cow disease was uh, affecting both the UK and Northern Ireland they were not allowed to donate in uh, they were not allowed to donate blood in uh, in Ireland but the ban actually got lifted and I had to do a quick Google search to check when because I knew I did an interview a couple of years ago it got lifted in October of 2019. So over two years ago now it has been removed and what happened was the Blood Transfusion Service Board they, you know, they looked at everything and they looked at the risk and they said the risk was so, so small that they decided no, that they would allow people who had lived in the UK during that period are in Northern Ireland to donate blood because they reckoned that when the ban was introduced in 2004 they had people who were regular donors at that stage who had lived in the UK during that time period they lost about 9,000 donors when the ban was put in place and they subsequently obviously have lost a lot more because people like Sheila who come back home and want to donate blood to to discover no if you lived in the UK during that period of time you weren't able to uh, donate and of course I know and we're running ads for the Blood Transfusion uh, Service Board this time of year in particular there is a greater need than ever for people to donate blood and with people being unwell and with COVID and all of that it's a really really tricky time for the Blood Transfusion Service Board so Sheila I would suggest to you that you contact them ASAP they will be delighted for you to roll up your sleeve and to donate blood now earlier we were talking about the wonderful Kilmean National School in Clonakilty and what they've done with their Christmas play extravaganza and they've recorded it and it's going to be going home to all of the parents and there'll be huge excitement and then we had somebody wanting to you know say well done to the staff at the school. Well Dan was on to say Patricia I heard the compliments for the teachers in that school in Clonakilty. Well I would ask that Principal Mike McCarthy and his staff at Bunskull Natobridi in Mitchellstown be included for creating a wonderful atmosphere for the children in that school and that's from Dan so everybody in the the Bunskull Natobridi in Mitchellstown take a bow uh, there's, I'm assuming that's a parent of one of the children who is actually in the school or maybe attended in the past. Well done for creating a wonderful atmosphere. Isn't that a lovely thing to say about your child's school that there's a wonderful atmosphere inside in the school? And we were also calling out in particular the two Gardaí in Mallow who went above and beyond the call of duty and the Gardaí in Dublin who delivered the takeaway when they stopped the delivery driver and uh, he got arrested under suspicion of drug driving and he delivered the takeaway so that it wouldn't go cold. Well, that's probably Michael in West Cork to say Patricia I just want to thank Community Garda Bridget Hartnett from Bantry Garda Station Bridget calls me once a week to check up on me and to make sure I'm okay I'm a vulnerable adult living alone and Garda Bridget once a week will ring in to say hiya Michael everything okay you're doing okay and just checking in and she's helped me no end and couldn't be nicer Thank you, Bridget. And that's from Michael in West Cork. That's a lovely, I love, I just absolutely love when we get texts in like that. And uh, we know um, we've 
spoken many times with Bridget Hartnett on the programme. Community Gardaí do such fantastic uh, work for sure. So well done, Michael. And uh, we hope you have a happy and a safe Christmas. Kate in Fomoy was on, is fully vaccinated. Last Friday, she had to go into Cork City. So she jumped on the bus and she said it wasn't crowded. So she felt very comfortable on the journey from Fomoy into uh, Cork City. But on the journey back from Cork City back to Formoy. She said she really couldn't wait to get off the bus. She said it was so overcrowded. People were standing on top of each other. She said, where is the two metre rule? See, the buses and the trains are back to 100%. But it does make people feel very, very nervous to be in that very close confines uh, with people. And Kate is wondering, are others, are others sort of nervous about travelling on public transport at, at the moment? And Rose in Tyrus Jock, uh, hi to Rose and the gang and Tyrus Jock it says Happy Christmas to all at C103 and thanks for all the coverage that's our pleasure they've donated 3,500 euro to local schools in Dunmanway and the surrounding areas and they want to say a particular thanks to everyone who supports their wonderful charity shop Tyrus Jock in Dunmanway to people who donate items for sale and then the all important customers who go in and donate so well done thank you uh, Rose and Christmas greetings to you and the gang you do great work in uh, Tyrus Jock and when you are going out shopping don't forget to pop into your charity shops there's a great opportunity to buy presents in in charity shops this Christmas and you will be surprised on entering charity shops how many new items you'll find that are on sale and what will happen you can be guaranteed after Christmas when people decide to have a bit of a clear out after Christmas people will donate Christmas presents that they will receive this year that they don't really want maybe they don't really like them but certainly they don't really they don't really want them and the best way if you do end up with presents like that is to donate them to your local charity shop because they can go on and, and sell them on somebody else will get the benefit of it and of course the charity benefits as well but people from our good county of Cork Tipperary, Dublin and Limerick we seemingly are expected to be the biggest spenders this Christmas and men will continue in the time honoured tradition of doing what? Leaving their shopping to the last minute. Now it's this Thursday is the day that's expected to be the busiest shopping day of the festive season and it's the day that a lot of people will either do their final bits and pieces or it's the day that people will go out and do their big Christmas shop of the late shoppers, many will choose to shop local this year and that is, is so important and obviously very welcome news for the traders and the business owners across the country. And we as consumers are expected to spend over, wait for this, this is staggering, I had to do a double check on this, €7 million euro an hour. I thought it was going to be for the day that we're expected to spend €7 million euro an hour on this Thursday alone and a lot of that will be late minute uh, presents. The dash to stores is expected to be particularly pronounced between 12 midday and 1 o'clock. So this time on Thursday if you don't like crowded shops I'd say say go go either earlier or uh, later and it's research that has all uh, come out asking people and they would have looked at people's Christmas shopping habits last year and what they're expected to do uh, this year. The old adage though of men leaving their Christmas shopping until the very last minute seemingly, according to this research, still rings true. The new data has revealed that men typically outspend women by 8% on Christmas Eve. And on that day, it is the only day in the month of December where men will spend more than women. Throughout the rest of the month, women outspend men by a staggering 23 percent 
and their busiest shopping period for the women is sometime between the 19th of December and up to the 23rd. Very few women leave a full Christmas shopping until Christmas Eve. Consumers are spending a combined total of over 18 million a day. That's on the grocery shopping in the run up to Christmas. And then it's six million a day has been spent on clothes. Contactless payments. How often are we bemoaning the fact that we're becoming a cashless society? 55% it's now gone ahead of cash. 55% of all transactions done this Christmas will be done on uh, cards and not with uh, cash. However, spending a combined average of 27 million euro a day during the month of December, it's the people from Cork, Dublin, Tipperary and Limerick who are expected to spend the most. Now they don't say why we're the ones that are expected, why we are the most uh, generous. People aged between 35 and 44 they will spend almost 14 million a day in December and they will spend most uh, most over the month compared to any other age group. So they are the biggest spenders, the 35s to 44 year olds. Christmas Eve by the way, still the busiest time for shopping is expected to be same time as the one I, I mentioned for this Thursday 12pm to 1pm and that's kind of the last dash for the last few items I suppose groceries has been the most popular on the list on Christmas Day followed by hardware people realising there's something that they need either to put onto the Christmas table or to use I take it to cook the Christmas dinner traditions around Christmas shopping though they are changing and have been changing in Ireland for a good number of years I mean typically December the 8th that was the big wasn't it referred to as the farmers farmers shopping day uh, out because but it was traditionally the day that people from rural Ireland flocked into cities Dublin in, in particular would say any of the shop owners in Dublin would say people from the country people came up to Dublin for the day and certainly when I was growing up living in Clonmel in South Tipperary Cork would have been Cork City would have been a big spot for doing Christmas shopping and December the 8th would have been up there as a day that people went uh, shopping but this year the Dublin traders said they did not get that same bounce on December the 8th and they say looking so far across this month that it was the 17th of December was the busiest shopping day in in Dublin City. I don't know if that's reflected here in Cork uh, or not. So for people who still haven't done their Christmas shopping and it looks like there's still a large cohort of people who will be heading out this week. This is the week that it is more important than ever that we all support the local uh, businesses. Shopping local has never been more important. It not only supports Irish businesses, it not only supports your local jobs, but it also ensures that the products uh, we're buying, there's less of a carbon footprint on them as well. Think about think about that, something I wouldn't have thought about. And remember the money that's spent in a local business that tends to then stay in the uh, area. So if you are, particularly to the men folk listening to us, if you haven't done all of the Christmas shopping and you're planning on rushing out on uh, Christmas Eve, spend it as much as you can in some of the smaller, the local local independent stores uh, as well where they really, really do need our support. 1850 333 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. And we mentioned the Middleton 
Christmas Day meals. A reminder to you that Mallow uh, Meals on Wheels are delivering right across the Christmas season, including Christmas Day, St. Stephen's Day and all of the public and bank uh, holidays. They will return to normal services on Tuesday uh, the 4th. And the Alzheimer's Society in Mallow, they're fundraising for their new building project and they're asking people to support Billy O'Connolly's Texas Hold'em game. Now it's going to be on New Year's Day. The venue is the Mallow GAA complex. It's going to start at four in the afternoon. There will be cash prizes and hampers on offer. Tickets 20 euro with all proceeds going towards the new daycare centre on behalf of the Alzheimer Society. And in Ascara Community Centre needs your help to keep their centre open. They're asking people to donate to cover their running costs either through their GoFundMe page which is www.inascara.org or you can drop your donation into the office letterbox our details of their bank account are on our own website at c103.ie and we were mentioning about the Mallow Meals on Wheels and the Middleton Bike Club that are doing Christmas uh, dinner uh, for people who are on their own or people just mightn't have the will to cook a Christmas dinner. You know, if you're on your own and maybe normally you would have a few people with you, but because of COVID, you wouldn't have anybody with you. And so they're arranging to do and it's, it's done on a kind of a takeaway uh, basis. A really gorgeous, kind offer has come in from... Um, a, a wonderful person who I happen to personally know, a lady with just such a big kind heart in the Canturk area and she says, I'll be cooking Christmas dinner for myself and my own kids on Christmas Day, uh, but I would also be willing to cook dinner for a few others that are living alone and maybe just don't feel able to do it. I'm in the Canturk area and I'd even be willing to deliver the dinner to the person's home. If anybody knows anyone that would like a Christmas dinner cooked uh, for them and believe me, I know, I personally know this person and she's a darn fine cook as well. So you'll get a gorgeous Christmas dinner. So is there anyone in the Cantork area listening to us this morning? Nominate yourself. You don't have to wait for somebody else. But if there's somebody who's on their own and you don't have anyone to do a nice Christmas dinner, we have a really kind hearted person who I can vouch for who will drop a Christmas dinner to your door. If you make contact with us here and we can uh, hook you up. That's a really, really kind offer as I say on behalf of uh, one very generous uh, lady can I uh, can I wish her a happy and a peaceful uh, Christmas I mentioned somebody who was fearful on public transport yesterday going in and out of um, Cork City and uh, wondering are others nervous about being on uh, public transport another listener said yeah I'm the very same I'm terrified to go on public transport people are just so nervous at the moment aren't they with this uh, Omicron and this listener says I'm now unsure whether I'll attend Mass or Christmas or not I just don't know what to do the only thing I would say about church Churches are fine, big buildings. Uh, you you know, you, you hopefully will be able to find a nice quiet mass where you'll be able to sit and you won't even be near anyone. But I would say to anyone, if you're feeling nervous, you know, just, you know, don't go there. You know, I don't, I don't think God is going to look at you any differently if you don't make it because you're a bit nervous about picking up COVID-19, particularly with this new variant. Do whatever feels right for you and what you feel comfortable about and stay safe. All we can do is look after ourselves, uh, really. And can I wish you a happy and uh, a peaceful Christmas. And somebody else is saying, are people gone completely nuts in the run-up to Christmas? This is Martin in Formoy. He reckons the whole of Cork County must have decided to go shopping into Formoy Town today because he said it's packed. He said, do people not realise many shops will be open again on St Stephen's Day, the 26th, 
What is it about this mad panic buying? He said it's absolutely nuts in town at uh, the moment. He said COVID me rear end. Nobody seems to care about the virus. Uh, isn't it something we all do at Christmas though, Martin? Don't we all have a tendency and I don't know what that is, that panic about overbuying as if a shop is never going to be opened again. You're right. It's it's not just this year. That happens every single year uh, for sure. And I don't think it's going to change. And listening to what you're describing is being replicated. Ken was only talking about being in one of the city shopping centres yesterday and he said he was a bit nervous it was so busy and that's the way it's going to be between now and Christmas people we all overbuy we're all uh, guilty of it unfortunately and COVID or not people are still going to go out and try to make this as and I hate to use the word a meaningful a Christmas as possible but that's what people are uh, doing all you can do Martin is look after yourself and try to stay as safe as you can and if you're in a shop that you feel is too busy then leave and maybe come back when it is less uh, busy uh, Mary wants to know does anybody know if uh, bingo is on in ovens tonight please does anybody know can anybody tell us Ovens bingo is it on tonight? Because I know a number of bingos were getting cancelled. I don't know which which are going on or not. If anybody's involved in that, can you let me know, please? Uh, Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Uh, and this morning, Patricia, I was in a supermarket yesterday and I saw a woman. I kid you not, buying twenty slight pans. By the right hand of sweet loving Jesus, what would anybody want with twenty slice pans? Don't talk to me about women. Is that a male? This, this thing. Now, OK, in her defence, uh, could the lady have been buying the 20 slice pans for an event? There's not many events going on. Was she buying it for, you know, a residential setting? Has she a big freezer and she's freezing the bread? I don't know. We have an obsession with buying bread for 20 slice pans. Seems to be a lot of sliced bread uh, indeed. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. When I was talking about shopping local, can I give a reminder to you the Christmas calendar, or not the Christmas calendars, the calendars for 2022. We were encouraging people to send in and a whole host of organisations sent in some beautiful calendars uh, to us. And just to give a quick mention to some of the calendars we received, if you haven't bought your calendar yet, please try and buy one of the charity calendars or a calendar that's in aid of an organisation and do your best to buy a local calendar because, of course, lots of the local calendars are filled with beautiful photographs, local photographs. They make lovely presents as well. If you want to maybe send to a loved one abroad, it might be too late to send it to a loved one abroad in time for Christmas, but you could get it in the post and they'll have it early in the new year. If you're in Mitchellstown, there's a gorgeous, gorgeous calendar that's on sale with all proceeds going to St. George's Arm and Heritage Centre and of course it is the nature of Mitchellstown with the photography by the very stunning Bill Power and people in that area will know Bill's work as a photographer truly truly stunning if you're in Cove there's a beautiful calendar that has been put together with proceeds going to St Benedict's Priory in Cove and it's Cove and the Great Island and just absolutely beautiful beautiful photographs taken in and around Cove and the Great Island. For those in Bantry, there's a lovely calendar called Bantry and Beyond. 
and proceeds from this particular calendar are being donated to Cancer Connect. The Dogs for the Disabled, if you're a lover of dogs, you absolutely adore uh, this one. It's just full of adorable dogs and puppies. And what I like about the Dogs for the Disabled, they do little stories running down the side every month just telling of various families that they have helped out. And as the Dogs for the Disabled say, they are opening doors to uh, change lives. If you're in another one from the Bantry area, this is Bantry and Bera combined. This was a lovely calendar that was put together by the Bantry Community Tourist Office and proceeds go towards promoting Bantry and the general West Cork area and as you can imagine, stunning scenes of uh, Bantry and the Bera Peninsula. And in Roscarbury, the Tidy Towns group there put together a really lovely, lovely uh, community calendar. It just is one of those, another one of those calendars that you can't help when you look at the photographs. It just puts a smile on your face. It really is beautiful. And that's all there. It's available in the shops in Roscarbury. And all these, all the photographs are supplied by the community and proceeds are going to the tidy towns in Roscarbury. As I say, just some of the uh, calendars that are out and about and are available in the run-up to Christmas. If you haven't bought your calendar yet, calendar yet please do your best to try to support a a local charity or organisation 1850 333 103 lines open C103 and just a quick text do you remember the the gentleman who said he was in the supermarket yesterday and he saw a woman buying 20 slice pans and he just couldn't believe anyone would be buying 20 slice pans and he used a phrase I'd never heard before by the right hand of sweet loving Jesus what would anybody want with 20 slice pans somebody has been in very quickly with the text to say hi Hang on a tick. Maybe that lady was buying all the bread to make sandwiches for a charity food kitchen. People can be very quick to judge, says this uh, texter. How right you are. Thank you for that. 1850 Joe Heffernan joins us for our final slot, actually, of the year. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, And Patricia. as we always do at this time, because I'm very conscious and aware every year at this time, there are people facing in for to Christmas with, uh, and they would have had a bereavement this year. This is their first Christmas where they're somebody, a much-loved family member or friend will not be around the Christmas table this year. So it's always important that we, we talk and aim our piece, our last piece before Christmas, specifically at, uh, at those. Because the first Christmas... The second, now some will say the second can be as bad, but the first one can be very daunting. I think in the lead up to it as well, I think it's the thinking about what it's going to be like can throw some people off. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, I would like to say um, sincere condolences to all in CO3 and C103 and listeners uh, who've lost a loved one this year and indeed in the past years. Um, Yeah. And uh, grieving is an absolutely individualistic um, uh, process and um, there's no right way, there's no wrong way um, to uh, to grieve. Um, uh, you know, some people will choose to, for example, visit the cemetery. Other people will choose not to, and both of them are right. Um, uh, some people might be reticent to bring up the subject of the loved one who has died. Um, but, um, you know, if a person says, look, I, 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 do, I don't want to bring the mood down, but I, I do want to share about how I feel. Mm. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, people will facilitate that. Um, 
I was at a wedding um, not too terribly long ago, and the um, the father of the bride uh, had died, and <clears throat> he was remembered at the uh, reception by a, a lovely photograph um, with a candle um, uh, be, beside it uh, on a table um, wow. near the top table, as we say. And I thought it was a lovely way to remember him. Yeah. And um, there may be many people, there may be people who would like to light a candle um, uh, in, the, um, in, 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 in front of the empty chair this year. Um, uh, there may be people who would find that to be um, uh, not what they want at all. You and see, again, that's what, when, when I mentioned earlier that we were going to be talking about this, um, I always say uh, when I'm sympathising with uh, people who've lost a loved one, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. No, indeed. No, indeed. Um, <clears throat> I mean, some people would like to um, uh, continue with traditions and rituals that they always did at Christmas. Other people would find that they're not up to that at all. And again, um, they're both right. Um, uh, you know, many a person would like to change uh, things uh, in, in, the, in the first year. For example, um, the venue um, where, where, where it traditionally the Christmas dinner was at um, a certain family member's um, at home. Um, this year, it may it may be decided to um, to have Christmas dinner at another family member's home again. Um, uh, if if that's what the family would like to do, well then um, uh, do that. Um, uh, and we we have to practice self care um, on uh, at the, at this very delicate time. Um, you know, we we need to be able to say no. I mean, people with uh, the greatest of sincerity might say, you know, around the Christmas, do come and visit us, or would you like us to visit? And the correct answer is your own feelings. Um, you may say, look, I'd, I'd prefer uh, to just maybe leave that until the new year or whatever, Um so um, I remember a widow contacted us. Oh, it's a good number of uh, years ago, and she was coming into the first Christmas without her husband. Mm. So she didn't have any children, but she had she had a wider extended family on both her husband, her her former husband's side, or her departed husband's side, and her own family. And everybody was fighting over who she was going to come and spend Christmas with. And she wanted to spend Christmas on her own. And I remember she contacted us when we were doing this piece. And it was you said to her, you, you know, you can very politely say to people, she felt she was being selfish because all of these other people were going out of their way to make sure that she was going to be included and it was you said and, and you said you're not being selfish it, it's like selfish was probably and if it, if, if it does feel like it's selfish it's okay to be selfish you do what suits you she wanted to be in her own she wanted to remember some of the traditions that she did with her husband but she wanted to do that in her own in her own house and she should be yeah. allowed to do that yeah and and um, I, I often say to people you know um, uh, to distinguish between selfish and self-care. Yeah. Um, we need to look after ourselves. Um, there is no point in doing something that you really don't want to do uh, for the sake of whatever and then uh, having a miserable day. 
And if you are going to have a miserable day and you'd prefer to have it on your own, well, then do that. And I think it's very important, Patricia, not to be judgmental from the point of view that if someone decides that they're going to watch, say, a movie or Christmas carols or whatever on the telly on Christmas Day, well, they, they, to just allow that that is fine. That's what they want to do. Um, and if it's something that you don't want to do, well, that's fine as well. Um, so just um, allow for difference and to realize that um, people grieve in a very individualistic and different way. So um, uh, just uh, do what you need to do um, without great reference to um, what will the others think. Um, uh, so I, I would hope that the message that would go out from us today would be that there is no right or wrong way to grieve. Mm. Yeah. To visit the no. grave or not visit the grave on, on Christmas Day? Have you Again, a very individual um, de- decision and preference. Some people would like very much to do that. Other people um, might not like to do that. Um, now, if a person wants to visit the grave and if they're not driving, well, then it would be a kindness to give them a drive to the cemetery. Yeah. And if they would like to be on their own beside the grave to say their own uh, message, well, then to allow for that too. Um, in other words, like to, um, to allow big time um, uh, for difference, like... Some people may like to reminisce. They may they might like to take out some photos and maybe say, "Do you remember that?" Mm. Um, and gee, do you remember that Christmas? Um, we had a lovely time. Um, uh, and it's it's and it's also okay to laugh and to smile and to joke, and for some people to even enjoy the new Christmas. Absolutely, absolutely, and and maybe. There would be anecdotes about the person who has died. There would be funny stories, and um, and and that would be okay too. I think one of the important things um, to say would be, you know, what would the person who has died, what way would they want us to be that's today? True. That's that's yeah. that, that's true. It's like, uh, you know, you'll hear people saying, "Oh, I didn't want to put up the Christmas tree because we've lost a lost a loved one," but my whoever it was who passed away, always loved Christmas and loved to have the Christmas tree up. So you put it up almost in their memory and their honour. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's always a good reference to say, what would the person who has died uh, wish for us um, at this point in time? And I think that nearly, that does always bring the right answer. Um, You know, that um, the person would wish us well would want us to be as peaceful and as um, content at Christmas as 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 possible. So there's, um, you know, there might be uh, other little ways of um, of uh, of honouring the, um, the the person who has died. Uh, many a person might like to go to the church and light a candle, and that would be absolutely um, what they want to do. Um, we talk a lot about awareness and about mindfulness. So that, I mean, all that means is being aware of what you're doing when you're doing it. Um, 
in in other words, like if you're taking plates uh, out of the press, will be taking plates out of the press um, to, to focus on what you're actually doing. Yeah. 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 Somebody said, uh, and I don't have a lot of time on this, but somebody says, um, "Hi, could you ask Joe? I lost my mum just two weeks ago, and it was very sudden, came out of the blue. I've suffered from depression in the past, and I really don't want to go back down that uh, route because I've had it under control for years. Uh, what can I do to keep focus?" Well, uh, just the, I, um, uh, condolences on the death of your mum, and I would say again to uh, focus on uh, what would your mum want for you. Your mum would more certainly want you to uh, make the best of uh, the present situation, which is far, far, far from easy. But um, uh, there is no way that your mum would want you to um, sink into a depression. Um, uh, So to do the things that help with... What's helped in the past. Going for a good long walk saying a few prayers if you're into saying prayers, um, you know, uh, talking with someone that you trust, um, uh, if possible, and and if um, if it can be done uh, to have family members around, if that's what you would like. Um, so, you know, give yourself um, uh, the... Uh, permission uh, to enjoy certain parts of the day without any feelings of guilt, um, like, oh my God, um, should I be doing this? Here I am watching a film and and that. Of course, your mem would want you to um, make the best of the day to help yourself as much as you possibly can to get through an extremely tough time. And be and be kind to yourself. It's so soon yeah. after the death. Condolences uh, mm. on the death where we're sending you a virtual hug over the airwaves. Uh, look after yourself. Yeah. Uh, OK, and, and others are saying Joe is so uh, spot on. This is everybody's own uh, Christmas. People are entitled to spend it how they wish. People mm. need to be kind to themselves and I, th- I think that is uh, very much what it is all about. OK, that's our last one uh, for the year, uh, Joe. Thank you. You're always a a mine of information and I know people take a lot of comfort uh, from the advice that you give every week will you be spending it um, who will you have around the Christmas table yourself and Mary and will you have any of the kids we're down to four this year because we got a fantastic Christmas present our new little granddaughter was born on this day week the 14th congratulations Uh, Charlie yeah that's so Colin and Elizabeth won't be with us they have their own family now and uh, so we're down from six to four okay. because, of course, Ken is in Cayman and uh, doing fairly well. Uh, so we'll have the twins and ourselves, the isn't, four of us. Isn't that great? Isn't, isn't that great? OK. And your, your son abroad, how is he doing? Doing OK. Good. You know, um, it's a long old road. He's on his chemo a fortnight on, fortnight off. He's on his monthly injection who has been a mine of information and a great friend is Tommy Garman, ex-RTE. Yeah. Um, uh, we got great consolation from the fact that um, Tommy was diagnosed with the same cancer, yeah, even though it was stage four and he's 27 great. years ago. Great to help you. OK, got to leave it there. Have yeah. a great Christmas, Joe. We'll talk in the new year. Look after yourself. And the same. God bless. Same Take care. Bye bye. That's where I leave you. Touch tomorrow at 10. 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.